Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Mike Maniscalco, and you're listening to the Tracking the Storm podcast. Thank you, Mike. Take four. <laughs> Welcome back, friends. Thank you all for tuning in this week um, to another episode of the Track of the Storm podcast. My name's Brandon. That's Matt. Playoffs are in full swing, baby. We got lots to talk about tonight. Haynes hockey. It's probably not going to be our longest episode. You know, we I think I feel like most of ours we've been getting back into 45 minutes to an hour, a lot of episodes lately. Tonight, I think we're going to try to kind of cruise through this and keep this one nice and succinct for you guys. Um, but we got lots of Islanders versus Hurricanes stuff to talk about. Uh, obviously, the Hurricanes did fail to get it done on home ice in game five. Um, the series now heads back to Long Island as the Hurricanes look to find that closeout uh, fourth win in the series. Lots of ups and downs. Lots of, lots of storylines for us to get into. Uh, I don't think we overall can be too upset with the way the Hurricanes played in Game 5. I think it would be hard for anybody to watch that game and say, wow, the Islanders were the better team. I just don't think that's true, objectively speaking. But them's the break sometimes. Hurricanes could not find the equalizer. Like I said, onward and upward we go. Matt, how are you feeling tonight, buddy? I'm all right. You know, despite the loss, I think there's a lot of positives that you can take from that Canes game. They got the majority of the chances, and the Islanders were on their heels for the majority of that game. And, you know, I said this in the little group message that we have. I said, you know, if the Canes get one at the end, there was going to be no way that the Islanders would have uh, won the game if the game got to overtime. They had just been playing that entire game on their heels. They didn't have any attack, and I think <clears throat> I think that if the Hurricanes were able to get it to overtime, that they would have been able to get it done. Unfortunately, that wasn't the case, but, you know, you have to be happy with the effort, and... I think you also have to be happy with the way like some of the depth guys um, performed in that game. You know, you got a big goal from Paul Stasny off of a Jalen Chatfield shot. And then obviously Sebastian Ajo came and scored, you know, another goal, which is big for him. But that fourth line really might have been Carolina's best line in that game, which is both a good and bad thing, right? Yeah, Um I definitely want to talk about that a good bit. And and I just want to go back real quick. You know, you're talking about you thought the Hurricanes got to overtime that you thought they'd win. I literally said when the game was – it was still two to nothing Islanders in the second period. I was like, if the Canes score one goal here, 
Actually, I was in the process of tweeting it. That's what happened. Literally was about to hit send and say, if the Canes can just find a way to get one before the end of the second period, I think they win the game. And literally as I was tweeting that, they scored. <laughs> so I was like, well, well, there goes my thing. I tweeted it anyway and just said, because I, I did. I was like, the Hurricanes are going to win this game. They just needed to get one. They'll get another one at some point. I was right about that. Um, unfortunately, brutal turnover from Martin Natchez. Uh, late in the period, just can't have it in a playoff game. He's trying to do way too much. Again, we can get into that stuff later, but it was not great. Um, turns into a 3-1 deficit again, and at that point, I was like, well, I could have been wrong. <laughs> it turns out I was. But anyway... Yeah, I mean the depth play, the depth scoring's been good. Sebastian Ajo had a hell of a night, taking a puck off the face. You know, it's a the epitome of a bad break, right? Um, and that I mean, again, I said it earlier, them's the breaks. That's really what last night came down to, because I mean, you had a kind of a sloppy play and then a break from the first goal where Brent Burns don't really know what the hell he was doing because he just kind of coasted back to a puck that he easily could have won the race to and that like he allowed the pressure to get to him you know what I mean like he could have gotten to that puck and got it out instead he like waited on the contact it was just weird and then that pressure caused him to turn it over next thing you know it's freaking in the back of the net and and even after the turnover Engvall cut to the net and Burns didn't even go with him you know like after he made a bad clear he just let Ingval go, and he was in all alone for, you know, a pretty slappy goal on Ronta's part, too. Again, there's a lot of layers to that, but that was a bad break. Ajo, obviously, Aho taking a puck off the face, and then, you know, Nelson top tapping it in out of midair. Pretty bad break as well in a lot of ways. Um, and, you know, again, sometimes it's like that. The Hurricanes just have to keep kind of grinding it out. If they continue to play like they did last night – and really did in game four as well, because they were great on Long Island. I don't even think mm-hmm. we've had that since that game, actually. So we could talk about that too. But uh, yeah, if, if they continue to play the way they have the last two games, I don't care how many bounces the Islanders get, there's absolutely no freaking way they win both. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, play that game. Mm-hmm. I, I don't care. You're going to win. Yeah, well, and, you know, one thing, one quick thing about the Ajo goal, and I think Trip kind of explained it perfectly on the broadcast. He's like, Aho did everything well on that play. You know, he was boxing out Brock Nelson. It just so happened that the puck hit him in the damn head, like, yeah. or in the mouth. Like, that's that's just, like, <clears throat> you know, obviously it's like kind of, I don't know if it's taboo to call something's luck in hockey, but like, that's just brutal luck right there. You know, that's just if it's not luck. I'm not sure what else to call it. Cause... Right. You can't because you can't just call that a bounce. Like, that's just unfortunate. That's just the hockey gods like flipping you off. Yeah. We did something to upset them. I'm not sure what it is, but hopefully they exacted their revenge and game six will be an even playing field. That's the only good explanation I have, you know? Well, okay. I wish it were that simple. <laughs> it's not. And there are areas that. I think we do need to get into a little bit. Um, I I did pose one question to you in the DMs last night, and I think it's something that's at least a decent topic for us to consider. But the Hurricanes did dominate that game. I'm not, you know, going back on anything I've said so far by any stretch of the imagination. I just... 
what did they really do? Even, you know, as they were chasing that game, how, and especially late, you know, in the late third period when they really made their push, how many like grade A chances did they actually get? Can I be honest with you? Yeah. I did not watch the end of the game because (laughs) I'm only superstitious about games during the playoffs. And last night during the game, um, the Hurricanes scored their first goal while I was out of the room and not watching the game. <laughs> so in my head, I was like, well, now I can't watch the game anymore because obviously that's the reason why we scored is because I wasn't watching. So I turned it off and it ended up obviously not being true, but like, can't take those chances in the playoffs, man. Sure, I have man. to do hey. with- you did your part. I appreciate that. It does not go unnoticed. I tip my cat cap to you, but the point of the, I mean, tip my cat. I tip the cat to you. Um, the question's relatively rhetorical anyway, because the answer is there weren't very many. I mean, the headlines today were, oh, Sorokin, you know, makes thirty-four saves or whatever it was, and you know, carries them to a victory. And I'm sure. I mean, Sorokin was good. He made a few good saves throughout the game. I'm not going to take that away from him, but. The Hurricanes really aren't producing right now, or like generating. When like 15 to 20 of those 35 shots are shots from the point, does that count? Like the Stasny goal, I was like screaming at my TV. I was like, yes, look at that. You see what you did there? See, he gets to the front of the net. You had a double layered screen. You get a deflection. Oh my God, you scored. Wow. Isn't that freaking crazy? And, you know, then they proceeded to just not really do it the rest of the game. I was going to say, I'm assuming they didn't listen to you. No, they didn't. They didn't at all. Um, and and it's, it's, it's deeper than just like, oh, they're down three top six forwards right now. Because of what we just talked about. It's, it's not about being down your skilled players and not taking advantage of scoring chances right now. It's about not working hard enough to create those scoring chances being willing to take the punishment you need to do to get to the front of the net to, you know, score. To make life difficult on Sorokin and score goals. That's what it comes down to. Here's an example. You had everything, like on the nascent goal that got called back. You were moving the puck well. Nason did what he did best. Just stood in front of the net, unmarked. And then you pass it to him and he scores. <laughs> that exact play worked and then you don't do that shit for the rest of the night there was a good cycle three other power plays that you don't do that on I almost wonder if that like sucked some of their like offensive mojo away getting that goal called back on them I think it did I mean maybe but here's the thing you are grown ass men <laughs> Uh, I there's there's a lot of things that I could I could think about I mean you know let me start with the positives because I think it's important to talk about the positives like things that are going well that was far and away Jesse Pugliarvi's best game as a hurricane he was physical he was quick obviously he had a secondary assist um he was just moving and doing a really good job in his role and honestly like I kind of liked his game three as well. He had a good scoring chance in that game. You obviously would have liked to see him bury it, but you know, 
the chances are coming. Stefan yeah. played well. You know, I, I, I know a lot of fans have kind of ragged on him this year because he has lost a couple steps, but, you know, that was a good game from him, and Stasny obviously did well. Ronta's been good. He he hasn't been, like, otherworldly, but he's been good, and for the most part has kept the team in games. You know, there have been a few goals where you'd like to see a save, but, like, I could argue that for Sorokin, too, you know? Yeah. My issue... Now, now let's get into the negatives. So first, like, the obvious thing is, like, we've been saying, or it's been said the whole series, Sorokin gives up a lot of rebounds, gives up a lot of rebounds, gives up a lot of rebounds. Every time the Hurricanes take a shot from either the top of the circles or the point, there is nobody near the net. And, dude, there's even some shots that, like, off the rush, no screen, nothing, and he spits it out right into the dead slot. Yeah. They are and excessive. It's insane. so frustrating that the Hurricanes haven't changed their game plan. This is my one complaint with Rob. He refuses to adapt. Yeah. He's he refuses to change. And, and you know, I get it. You believe in your guys. That's a good thing, right? But at the same time, the perfect example... New York's power play last year running skating circles around us and making these gorgeous passes and making our penalty killers work, which they don't often have to do. You don't look at that and go, why can't we do that? Or you're like, hey, the Islanders goalie is spitting out a ton of rebounds. You don't need analytics or anything. You just need to look at the game and see, like, holy shit, this goalie gives up a fuck ton of rebounds. <laughs> and Stefan Nason has been awesome this series. Awesome. He cannot be your only player that produces around the fucking net. Sorry for cussing so much. Brandon's grandpa's going to get really mad at me. <laughs> I'm but sorry. like he just, had, he just had me a knee replacement too. You need to go easy on him. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. But like, it's it's just painful because like, this is the story with the Hurricanes. This has been the story with the Hurricanes now. Probably, I mean, I, 2019 was difficult because like there was still so much like magic surrounding that team that like it's hard to look at that as anything but a positive. So I'm gonna start with like 2020. You know, when you played the Lightning, you didn't adapt against them. 2021, you played against Boston. Yeah. Or no, 2020 was Boston, 2021 was Tampa. Tampa, you didn't adapt against them. Last year, you know, you didn't adapt to Boston on the road, so they beat you three times on the road. And then against New York, they embarrassed you three times on the road. And then literally in game seven on your own in your own building you played like you shouldn't have even been there like that's the thing is like you've got to adapt yes your system works but in the regular season that's different the playoffs are a totally different beast i'm not expect i'm not even asking the hurricanes to like drastically change the way they play all i'm asking is for you to put one body in front of the net <laughs> just one I don't care who. Like, it can be Seth Jarvis. Seth Jarvis, tiny ass. 
put him in the front of the net, guarantee you he at least gets a stick on one of those shots. Maybe he gets gets one to go. My final complaint, and then Brandon, I'll give it back to you because I know I've been kind of rambling and ranting a little bit. I said this the other night in the DMs. I was not brave enough to tweet this um, because I I don't want to read Kane's fans' takes on this. I'm sorry. That's just the brute truth. Martin Natchez, the way he plays, his style is not built for playoff hockey. And he needs to make fundamental changes to his game in the playoffs. I think you brought up the fact that he tries to be a hero all the time, right? Yeah, in so many words, yeah. (laughs) And he just needs to play simple. Because when he when he tries to do too much, and this is even during the regular season, when he tries to do too much with the puck, he turns it over. And I'm not going to say he's afraid of contact, but he does not like play along the boards. He does not like to get hit. And when he senses a hit coming, he panics. Like, something that's so good about Seth Jarvis is... He can take a hit and still make a play. Nate just can't do that. No. The playoffs are inherently going to have an uptick in physicality. And And he knows that. that's the problem. He knows that. And it totally gets This is him. what his fourth playoffs now? I'm not in like the trade Natchez camp or whatever. Like, no, he, he was our best player during the regular season by like a pretty good wide margin. And then Aho really picked it up towards the end. But, like, I'm sick of just watching Natchez be a little timid in the offensive zone when it comes to the playoffs because he's a player that if he doesn't have his confidence, he's giving you nothing. Nothing. And the fact of the matter is he has not shown up in the playoffs yet for the Hurricanes. He's afraid to go into the corners. He's afraid to cut to the middle of the ice. He does not engage in board battles whatsoever. The puck will be up against the boards. His, his linemates will be fighting for it. And he's just nowhere to be found. Or he'll be on the outskirts. He refuses to get in there and throw his weight around a little bit. He has shifts where he is completely disengaged from the game at all. I saw plenty of times in the last couple of games where he got inside the blue line, curled up, stopped skating, didn't work to get to the interior, didn't work to earn a, you know, find space, get a shooting opportunity, anything along those lines. There's something to be said for, you know, to go back to your point a little bit there. He can be a really important piece of this team. And maybe you just need to have enough guys around him that when you get to the playoffs, he's not a guy you rely on that much. I mean... I don't, I don't, I don't know what else you can really do. Like I, he's, he's such an important piece of why you got here to start with, you know, I don't know. It, it's really complicated. And at some point you just kind of have to come to the realization that he's not built to succeed in this environment. And you need to figure out a way to get him to start trying to dangle through four guys too. Cause if he's going to be, you know, a guy that only does anything whatsoever when he's on the power play, then you you at least have to stop being a net negative at five on five. 
maybe he needs to be on like the fourth line or something where like, you know, whoever's on that line will go dig the puck out for him and maybe can create a little space for him or something. And other than that, he doesn't really play that much at even strength. I don't know. I'm just floating random shit, but I I'm open to suggestions because what they're doing with him right now is, is not working. That's all I have to say about it. My words were a little bit stronger about it last night. Like I said, I'm a little emotionally manic right now because of some personal life changes I've recently made and I'm fucking psycho right now. I'm sorry. I'm bettering myself though. So feel happy for me. Okay. I deleted most of those this morning, by the way, I felt a little embarrassed, but anyway, past that now. The bright side is Natchez has played poorly. We know that he still has produced on the power play. The hurricanes are still one win away from moving on, you know? So Let's let's talk a little bit about game six. Um, We'll do that in just a minute. But first, Tracking the Storm is a proud part of the Hockey Podcast Network. We're going to take just a quick few minutes, fellas and ladies, ladies and fellas, and get a word from our friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. Light the lamp during the hockey playoffs with DraftKings Sportsbook. Right now, new customers can make a $5 bet and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. This has been one of the more wild first rounds in recent memory. You've got dogfights between the defending champs and the, and the newcomers, the new kids on the block, the Seattle Kraken. Shout out to our friends over at the Kraken Pod. You've got New York and New Jersey competing. That's been a lot of fun between that little rivalry there. So make sure you're getting over to the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Take a look at the odds. See what suits your fancy, and uh, make you a little bit of money off these exciting playoffs, huh? How's that sound? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with code THPN. New customers can make a $500 hockey playoff bet and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's code THPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. You're 21 and up in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See the show notes wherever you get our podcast for important details. All right, and we're back, Matt. Hello. Yeah. All right. Um. So we're gonna to wrap things up here. I, I do want to look ahead to Game Six, and I also kind of want to, you know, do it through the lens of Game Four, because I, I think there's an argument to be made that Game Four was one of the better games of the series for the Hurricanes. I, I just think they played a very, very complete sixty-minute dominant effort. And again, I, I think they did play really well in game five as well, but I think there were some key differences. So I, I just want to kind of maybe go back through some things that, you know, much like getting to the front of the net. It's a simple one that we've already talked about a good bit here, but some things that they could do better that they need to do in order to close this series out. Um, first off, I, I mean, we haven't even really talked about it yet, but for the first time in what, eight games? The Hurricanes won on the road in the playoffs. We Our long national nightmare is over. Seriously, it had been almost two full years. It was June of 2021 when the Hurricanes took home their only one of the series, a double overtime win against the Tampa Bay Lightning in that year's Eastern Conference semifinal. Um, I just thought in game four, first of all, it was an absolute clinic through the neutral zone. And, and, Again, that's another pretty good parallel to draw between Game 5 because I don't think the Islanders generated much of anything, especially in transition or coming through the middle of the ice. The Hurricanes have done a fantastic job of cutting that kind of thing off 
And granted, if they can close this out and move on, the Islanders are a little bit different of an animal with their transition attacks than a team like, say, the New York Rangers are. So there's only so many parallels you can really draw or so much you can take away from their ability to stop, you know, the Islanders as opposed to an actual Eastern Conference contender. But I digress. You can only play the team in front of you. But generally speaking, I think their defensive efforts and that of Auntie Ranta as well. I didn't like the Pierre Ingball goal in game five, but I think overall Ranta has been really good too. So generally speaking, I'm really happy with the defensive effort and goaltending effort the Hurricanes have gotten so far. I think so. And I mean, the one thing we talked about this is the finishing. The finishing is still, you know, question mark. But I think the Hurricanes, if they can manage to score first, they win. They win game six. I really think it's going to be that simple. The team that scored first has won every game, right? Yeah, but even then, I think if we score first, you know, you, you, you're putting the Islanders on their heels. And that's when they've been at their worst this series is when they're on their heels. And that's when you can get a couple goals. Yeah, I mean, it's something we talked about before this series. And also, just to answer my own question, yes, the team that has scored first has won every game. I just double-checked. But it's it's something we talked about um, before the series and that neither of these teams is really built to come from behind. (laughs) You know, it's both of them are pretty good at locking things down. Neither of them are what you would consider a high-flying offense, especially since the Hurricanes have lost half of their top six, obviously. But, you know, it has a lot to do with the defensive structure that both of these teams play with. The Islanders have blocked a shitload of shots. I mean, that's that's another thing that's one of my, like, many concerns about the Hurricanes going into this series is how predictable they can get in the offensive zone. I think that's another thing we really saw in Game 5. And the Islanders, again, especially in that end little stretch, like even on plays that you thought were starting to develop a little bit and look a little bit dangerous, it seemed like the Islanders would just get in the shot lane and not have much issue at all blocking the shot. So we need a little more creativity and effort in order to create lanes and, you know, getting into dangerous passing situations like that Nason goal that was disallowed. You know, we talked about that. The Hurricanes did a good job of moving east-west. They, I think they even did a little bit of a mini-cycle at the top of the zone, if I'm not mistaken. I can't remember the exact play, but they got bodies moving at the top of the zone. It causes confusion. All of a sudden, Steph Nason's wide open on the back door. Like, mm-hmm. again, the Islanders are a pretty structurally sound team in their own end. That doesn't happen that often unless you make them do it. You know, unless you put the pressure on them and make them communicate and call out their guy and figure out who needs to be where. And it's hard to do in a split second. A lot of times those openings will be there for you to take advantage of. Um, I just think there's been too many stretches where the Hurricanes haven't done that. And, you know, that's really the only reason we're even going to a game six, because I think the way this series has played out, the Hurricanes for a majority of it have been the significantly better team. They just aren't as opportunistic as they need to be. I will say one thing that's really been going in the Hurricanes' favor, special teams have been really good. Um, Obviously, the Hurricanes' power play did drop a goose egg in Game 5. 
the Nathan goal was a power play goal. Obviously, they got disallowed, so they almost had one. But that's another kind of area you can look at and say, well, if they had capitalized there, probably talking about a different outcome in a one-goal game. They did hit the post at least once on the power play. That's another thing that we haven't really talked about, going back to the bounces. Like, one of those posts goes in, chances are the Hurricanes win the game. So, and and the other part of that, the Islanders' power play got a bunch of chances in pretty big situations and I'm pretty sure the only goal they've gotten on the power play this entire series was in game three when the Cal Clutterbuck had the tip at the very, very tail end of a power play. Um, I think that ended up being the game winner in that game. But other than that, the Hurricanes penalty kill has been as advertised as well. Yep. And I don't even remember, like, the power play may have expired. I don't I don't remember. It was, like, very close. Well, I know the Islanders, the, the Hurricanes penalty kill is not at 100%, and I'm pretty sure that's the only one. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was sold. Okay, so it was still going on? So, you know, I'm going to agree with your take. If the Hurricanes get on the board first, you force the Islanders to play from behind, that's where they start to make mistakes. That's where you can potentially capitalize and not have to work so hard to create those opportunities against a set and structured Islanders defense. Eventually, they're going to have to push for a little bit of offense. If you can keep them at bay and play with a lead, you're bound to create more opportunities. And hey, man, I, you know, you talked about this in the opening or really early on anyway, about the depth scoring that or the depth play in general. It's not always been the scoring, but the Hurricanes fourth line was probably their best in game five, if we're being honest. I think yep. Jarvis, Jarvis and Ajo had flashes, but, I, you know, I've been talking about Derek Stepan not really looking like an NHL player a lot this year. And I don't necessarily think I was lying. But that's only because he didn't look like he looked in game five. <laughs> you know, if you can get that player more consistently, then yeah, I'm all for not playing Jamison Reese, damn it. Although I think having Jack Drury back will help. Drury was actually playing really well. He was playing well. I just don't think he's really a first-line player. <laughs> no, he's not. And he doesn't move the needle as much as I would like him to, but... That'll be an interesting thing to watch, too, though, is who even plays on that line. Odds are, if Drury plays, it's probably him, you have to think. But I don't know, man. I I, I liked having McEachern up there in Game 4 because of the way he created space and played a physical game. Game 5, he kind of didn't play as well. He was still physical and had a couple of you know flashes, but definitely wasn't the same impactful offensive player by any stretch of the imagination i i think right now you're just brendan moore is gonna have to kind of stay on his p's and q's and figure out who's got it going because that's kind of how this entire series really has gone for the hurricanes like whoever yep. seems to kind of have it that night i guess that's just kind of who you lean on that's where the hurricanes are right now in general with so many bodies out yep I don't know. I, I just feel like there wasn't really that much for us to talk about in general tonight, just because I, the Hurricanes issues are their issues right now. You guys are a smart, if you're listening to our podcast, you're a smart hockey fan anyway, smart Hurricanes fan. You know what's plaguing them right now. I just, you know, there's just a couple of guys, and I feel like this could really just be what happens in game six to be like, okay, Canes finish off the series. We were just kind of waiting on that to happen. Just get a little spurt from Martin Natchez at five on five. They got that in game four, by the way. Game four, Natchez played actually pretty well. Had a big goal, 
where he worked to get open on the power play. Imagine that beautiful pass by Steph Nason. Boom. He skated into the, he, you know, he cut to the middle of the ice. He got back door. He moved off the puck. And look what happens. He's wide open for a goal. Crazy. It's almost like sometimes I'm not a total idiot. Know what I'm talking about. So if you can get just little spurts like that, he was fine at five on five too, by the way. I know I've been talking about him being fine on the power play when he's not trying to do too much. But he actually had a decent game at five on five that game too. But anyway, get a little bit out of him. Get a little bit out of his line mate, Yasperi Kokaniemi. I think KK has been fine, but especially late, like the second half of the season, he was actually a really important offensive performer for the Hurricanes too. And he's yet to find the score sheet in any capacity in this series. A little bit of something here from Kokaniemi, a little bit of something here from Natchez. Maybe it's them two that combine to get you on the board first and put the Hurricanes in that position to kind of grind the game away, maybe take advantage of some over-pursuit by the Islanders and get an odd-man rush and score again. Yay, 2 nothing. You cruise from there, right? That's the blue I do point. believe KK had an assist on Stasny's goal. Did he? Yes. Okay. Well, Kokinimi has, what, one point in the playoffs? I'm looking yes. at it now. Yes, he has one assist on the in the playoffs, and he is a minus five. Which, by the way, that is one more point than the entire Montreal Canadiens roster. <laughs> you beat him to it. Nicely done. But yeah, again, it's a collective effort with this group right now. The Islanders, especially with last change, are going to do everything they can to take away Sebastian Ajo. Because if you take away Ajo, you feel pretty good about your odds of beating the Hurricanes right now. We'll see. Ajo has always been a player that steps up his game in the playoffs. He's had a good series. He came back and scored a big goal in Game 5 after getting his face ripped open, basically, by a puck. You need your stars to be your stars at some point. I think if Ajo can step up and get a big goal, or if Natchez and Kokaniemi can step up and create something for you, even away from home, you feel good about their chances to get it done. And you don't want to go to Game 7. I mean, you really don't. Go ahead and take care of business here. You know, and then this is the last thing I'll kind of end on. I, I think there's, it's actually a good thing the Hurricanes have two days here. You know, it's, this is the first time it's not a game every other day. I think two days will kind of give them a chance to reset. Maybe not quite be so frustrated because I think last game, game five was a very frustrating game for them. I think it'll give them an extra day to kind of sit back and look at things from a better point of view about like, we really should have closed them out. Like, we dominated that hockey game. Clean up a few things, get to the front of the net, make life a little bit harder on Sorokin. I think you win game six, you move on to the second round. Everybody's happy. Yep. And I got nothing else. I'm tired. I'm ready to get out of here. All right, well, folks, I've got nothing else for you, too. So we just want to say thank you so much for tuning in with us. Hopefully, by the next time you hear this podcast, the Canes will be in the second round. Folks, I know, Canes, they love to make things difficult. But in spite of all that, it is a great time to be a Carolina Hurricanes fan. <laughs>